so to keep us from falling apart We'll write songs in the dark And to stop us from fading away We'll write for a better day Welcome to the Inside the Boards podcast The podcast dedicated to helping you learn to think like a question writer So you can study smarter, not harder, and succeed in medical school and now here's your host, Patrick Beeman. Hello, Boards Insiders. I am Patrick Beeman, the usual host of this podcast. Uh, before we get into today's episode, I just want to provide a little bit of advice for those who are just getting their feet wet on uh, the wards. So, little anecdote. So the other day, I do this delivery. Um, it's at a hospital uh, that I don't go to that much. I'm an OB laborist, and I do this delivery, which ends up being really, really complicated, very difficult. Um, but, you know, the kind of thing that after it made me think, I still got it. At the end, as I usually do after the delivery, I ended up taking the drape that we place on our patients, um, cleaning it up, putting it in the trash, and then ensuring that the needles are off the table. And after that, the nurses commented, oh, wow, Annie cleans up his own stuff. I've never had a doctor do that, which really surprises me. I mean, like, in what other sector can you, like, go in, make the bloodiest mess possible, absolute scene of carnage, and then just peace out and let other people pick your shit up. Like, that's not legit. It takes me an extra 30 seconds or a minute to help uh, the nurses with these, you know, cleanup process or whatever. The advice you often hear is to go the extra mile. Well, in being conscious of what you do on the wards and taking care of other people on the team, respecting them, kind of listening probably to what your parents, you know, taught you as you grew up, like clean up after yourself, that investment of time yields extra mile benefits with only requiring you to essentially take a few extra steps. So I just wanted to offer that because, you know, we we think about the things we have to do and, you know, there's half an hour, hour of charting to do after uh, seeing some complicated patient or doing some complicated procedure and the orders and the med reconciliation. And, and you guys will see once you're f practicing physicians or uh, residents that the scut work to work that I thought I would be doing, that I want to be doing because I wanted to be a doctor and help people is like really large. And it's, you know, frustrating to a lot of us. But I mention this because when you take care of your team, you're respectful. The rapport you build will yield you a tenfold return uh, in terms of building your reputation for being a team player and I'm pretty sure it prevents at least 50% of unnecessary calls, like orders for Tylenol in the middle of the night for a patient who isn't even admitted for something related to pain. I don't know. I was taught this sort of framework and, and way of acting by uh, one of my uh, mentors, uh, especially when I was an intern and second year resident, my my senior resident, uh, Dr. Nancy Lowe, military physician and uh, attending now. But she always, always 
put in that little bit of extra effort, and she was beloved by anyone who worked with her. Other kind of easy things that you can do to uh, build your uh, reputation with uh, other staff in the OR, if you're not busy, too busy, and you can take the extra probably takes an extra five minutes, help move the patient from uh, the operating table to their bed uh, on their way to the PACU. There's a, a another high-yield practice that can yield you a lot of results. So stick around at the end for some announcements and an Easter egg. And just before we get into this, I got to do it. Don't skip ahead. I want to tell you about this week's sponsor. Our sponsor this week is Muse. You can find them at bit.ly slash itbmuse. Use that link. We get a commission. It's a research-grade EEG device that kind of looks like headphones, uh, senses your brain activity, and translates those signals into guiding sounds to get you back to a state of peace. Check it out using the link bit.ly slash ITB Muse to learn more and to help support ITB. And here is an example from our all audio cue bank. This is the step one version powered by Exam Circle and Lecturio. You can download the iOS beta app and subscribe to our all audio cue bank by just searching Apple's App Store for Inside the Boards, all one word, and go to our website and sign up to become a Boards Insider. And we will notify you just as soon as we release the full version of our app, which will be for both Android and Apple devices. A six-year-old boy presents to the emergency room with passage of watery stools. The diarrhea started 11 hours ago after he left a birthday party where he ate from platters of fruits, vegetables, and meats. Other kids at the party are experiencing similar symptoms. The boy is not vomited. What is the best diagnostic method to identify the organism responsible for this patient's symptoms? Is it A, stool culture with the use of sorbitol McConkie agar, B, stool culture in special salt-containing media, C, stool test for C. difficile toxin, or is it D, stool culture for C. perfringens, the correct answer is D, stool culture for C. perfringens. Clostridium perfringens enteric infection causes a watery diarrhea 8 to 14 hours after ingestion of the infectious food source, which is usually contaminated meat or vegetables. So there's a little example from the All Audio QBank. I just want to keep reiterating, once we get this other app out, it's going to be hella awesome. Much better production value a greater number of questions, and a bunch of features that you've come to expect from looking at QBanks and using QBanks throughout your studying. Here is today's interview with Dr. Greg Rodden, host of our Physiology by Physio podcast. Back to the meat of today's episode. Okay, so today we have a special treat for you guys. Uh, we have the creators of Physio, uh, which is this fantastic platform. I'm going to let them tell you about it, but it's basically like the Pathoma for physiology. 
they might not use the same words, but that's how I'm going to describe it. Um, so welcome to Inside the Boards, Rhett and Michael. Thanks. Yeah, we're uh, really excited to be here. Yeah, thanks for having us, Greg. Yeah, so this isn't your first appearance on Inside the Boards, right? Yeah, that's right. Uh, we it was a while ago. Was it like two years ago, Rhett, when you came on? Uh, yeah, I think it was. Yeah. Yeah, so they're like veterans in our eyes. And we're happy to have them back um, because they they just keep delivering. Like in these past two years, they have been super busy uh, producing more and more high yield content for uh, for their audiences. And I, they just told me that they moved into a new op- into a new office. So clearly, their company is is growing, and they're doing a great job. Yeah, it's a really exciting time for us. Uh, lots of lots of new stuff in the works, which we'll probably get into. So we're excited. Sweet, sweet. All right, cool. So first off, um, you're back in the med school interview room. So tell me about yourselves. So uh, so I'm Rhett, and I grew up in Utah. And me and Michael met in undergrad, and and uh, so that's kind of where we started our getting to know each other and studying and and stuff like that. So same same for me from Utah, and. We both went to Utah Valley University, uh, so that's kind of that's kind of where we rubbed shoulders. And then we both got into the University of Utah School of Medicine, which was surprising for us because you know it's it's the state school and everyone says it's really competitive. So we were we were both pleasantly pleasantly surprised when we both got in, and naturally just kind of you know gravitated towards each other and worked together throughout the first two years of med school. So that's kind of our the beginnings of our relationship, I guess. Yeah, and what's funny is uh, I knew his. Michael's sister first, and I didn't know that they were related at all because um, I was actually doing sign language. That was my major in undergrad. And so I ended up uh, making this connection that this girl in my class that you know I do sign language with uh, had a brother. And and then later I got to know Michael really well from our you know pre-med courses and, and then studied for the MCAT with him. And, and me and Michael just align... Oh on so many things and don't bring up those memories, right? Yeah. <laughs> the, the PTSD of MCAT and yeah. And so, so yeah, so now me and Michael, you know, we studied together for like the first couple of years of med school and from there, you know, ended up starting physio and all this stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So like a dynamic duo with, uh, with strong and long roots, uh, going back together. So that's great. Um, so did you both grow up in Utah? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I grew up in a city called Riverton. It's about 30 minutes uh, south of Salt Lake City and actually uh, live there with my family now. So I'm, I'm married. I have two kids, a uh, four-year-old. He'll be, he'll be five in August. And then I have a two-and-a-half-year-old named Oliver. He'll be three in December. And then my wife is uh, expecting here in a couple of oh weeks, goodness. actually. So Jul- July 7th, she's going to get induced if if uh, the baby doesn't come before then. So little little girl, we're excited. Well, congratulations, man. That's fantastic. That's fantastic. Um, and any kids on the other side of this equation? Oh, yes. Yeah. So I have three kids. I got a five-year-old named Cyrus and then uh, a four-year-old named Marilyn Akiko. We just call her Kiko and that's her name for all intents and purposes. It's Japanese. So, well, Akiko is Japanese. Kiko is uh, is an Americanized, uh, I guess we've shortened it to that. Then we've got this uh, little shockingly redheaded baby that's about to turn a year old. 
And I say shockingly because where in the world did the red hair come from? I have no idea. My wife's got <laughs> Japanese background. I don't have any red in my hair or my family. <laughs> um, but but I'm fairly confident it's my child. But uh, um, <laughs> she, she looks and acts too much like me to not be mine. So, but yeah. And then in fact, my four year old is turning four today. So we got a birthday party later in this afternoon. She's excited. Awesome, awesome. All right, so lots of uh, lots of good stuff to to look forward to for you guys. Uh, all right, so I guess <clears throat> let's let's talk about you know your amazing platform. I mean, tell me how did Physio first come about? Like, and you guys have kids. <laughs> um, like, how in the world were you doing med school and starting a company and being good parents at the same time? <laughs> definitely a balance act uh i'll say that much and we have we have awesome wives that uh really support us so that's really helpful i'd say tolerate i'd say tolerate <laughs> our adventures <laughs> yeah that's probably more more accurate right yeah but let, let's uh let's dive into maybe the second year of med school that's kind of where it all began so i guess you know back during the time when Rhett and i were studying for step one you know there really wasn't a lot of content in terms of videos at the time you know looking back I recall using Pathoma and that was kind of like the one video platform that was pretty accessible, relatively cheap. And a lot of people were using was really good. Aside from that, there really wasn't, there were really wasn't a lot that I can recall. You know, I, I know there was DIT, but that was like more like, you know, a dedicated, uh, step one video resource. And it was a little more expensive. So it was kind of harder to access, I guess we used Pathoma and loved it. And we thought, wow, it would be amazing if there were, you know, other video resources like this that could teach us other difficult concepts. And we felt that physiology was one of the most fundamental and difficult concepts. You know, it really forms a basis for a lot of other topics. You know, if you understand physiology really well, then it's a lot easier to understand, for example, pathology and pharmacology and, you know, other, other topics that can be really challenging. And so, uh, I, I guess, you know, once we took step one and kind of reflecting back that, that idea just kind of, kind of grew on us over time. And, uh, let's see, we started our third year in June after we had taken step one and we were both on our family medicine rotation and we were, you know, only like a week or so in when we started having serious conversations about potentially creating a video platform for physiology. You know, was, at first it was kind of just like, oh, that'd be cool. That's like a fun idea to think about. You know, I, w I was watching Pathoma and I kind of shared that idea with Rhett. Like, it'd be sweet if there was this for physiology. You know, Rhett kind of thought about that more and then had his own little take on what happened after that. Yeah. So two things happened. I've got a brother-in-law uh, named Steve and he's the guy that you contact if you're like on our site and says, contact Steve. He's the one that you contact. And then, I've, uh, and then my brother, Zach, um, I had a conversation with each, with each of them independently during like the first week of my family medicine rotation. And just in passing, you know, explain this idea of how cool it would be if there was a video resource like the one Michael described, like one that covered physiology in the way that Pathoma covered pathology. And those conversations were just instrumental in actually making this idea become real in my mind because Steve just really excited and tenacious wanting to get his hands into something that's really hard to build and just starting a company. And then, um, and then I was at a steakhouse with my brother, Zach and his family. And I told him this idea and, and he's really excited. He's got a lot of 
experience in business and video production. And so after those two conversations, we just like kept talking about it uh, between the three of us and seeing how real it could become. And then once we realized that it could be, it could become an actual viable company and we could do this, then, you know, we started talking to Michael and, and so the four of us ended up just realizing that we, we can and should do this and, and take the risk. And, and at this point, I just thought it was unthinkable to, to take any time away from medical school for any reason, even, even a reason like this, because I was just so focused on wanting to get into ENT, like this is what I want to do. And, and I just couldn't picture like pausing that, that path for any reason. It just felt like the right thing to do. So we ended up taking uh, a year off to, to do this. Yeah. So, but you're, you're past a year, right? Yeah. So we took a year off uh, and that was like, you know, the, the physiology aspect of physio. And after that year, we decided to go back and do our third year. So, you know, June of, I guess, two years ago, we started our third year of medical school back at the U and, you know, finished third year. That was a, <laughs> an interesting experience, enlightening and uh, fun and, I don't know, educational, hard, all, all sorts of emotions during that year. Yeah. <laughs> And then uh, after that, we kind of started, I guess it was probably like the middle of third year, we started seriously thinking about, you know, growing physio into something more than just physiology. Uh, you know, we got a lot of users who just love the content and were asking us about other things, uh, for example, like biochemistry and immunology and that kind of stuff that, you know, is probably pretty easily understood through conceptual videos as well. That idea kind of evolved over the you know, mid third year to the end of our third year. And we thought, well, why don't we do it again? So uh, (laughs) we decided to take some more time off. And for the past year, we have been just hard at work creating a lot of content. And we're actually going to take one more year off. So, you know, it's, it's the end of June right now. And so June next year, we'll be going back to finish our fourth year of medical school. Okay. Okay. Gotcha. So, um, I mean, one, wow. Uh, like you guys, it seems like you must've been like in the perfect place at the perfect time, um, to be able to do something like this, you know, like, so your school was completely fine with you guys just kind of intermittently get, uh, going through your clinical years, like one year off, then do a clinical year, another year off, then do a clinical year. Yeah, it's been interesting. The University of Utah has been very supportive overall. Uh, you know, I think when we first approached the dean, uh, he was he was like at first a little hesitant, probably, but then he quickly realized how far we were in our thought process, and you know the steps we had taken. We had already formed this amazing team, and we had met with an investor, and you know we like we were we were pretty far into the process, you know, the first time, and so he realized like, oh, wow, you guys are actually like, you know, you're, you've already gotten the ball rolling on this thing. And so I think with that perspective, he was more comfortable allowing us to take some time off. And then since then, it's just, uh, you know, it's been relatively successful. And so I think the success that we've had and just the impact that we've been able to have on the medical community has probably been somewhat uh, reassuring to, to the medical school and probably the reason why they've allowed us to continue to take some more time off. Right, right. Absolutely. So was there like any specific moment 
at the start of your what was then your third year, which you then took off, was there any specific moment where you guys were like, this is happening? Like, was there some comment from a family member or uh, some like light bulb moment that, you know, really made you think, okay, we can actually do this. Like, this isn't just a flight of fancy kind of thing. I think for me, it was when Rhett called me one day with Steve and Zach on the line. You know, they they were having a three-way conversation and they were having, you know, a very serious conversation. Like, we're going to do this. Do you, you know, do you want to, do you want to come along and do it with us? I was kind of like shocked. Uh, you know, you, you don't, I had never really thought seriously about doing it. I guess when I had made comments to Reddit, it was more of like, oh, this would be cool if it existed, but not like, oh, we should go do this, <laughs> you know? Uh, but when they were all, you know, talking together and made it sound like, you know, it was a reality, like we could do it. And they had some of the skill set that we lacked. I think for me, that was probably the first time where I thought seriously, like, okay, like I need to seriously consider this. This this could happen. Yeah. And for me, it was, it was the conversation of realizing that it could be possible after my conversations with Steve and Zach. And then in particular, a conversation with my brother, Zach, that it should be something that I do. I remember because he's, he's older than me by about eight years and he's, you know, got a lot of experience, but, but even with the, the age difference, you know, we've been really close, you know, I come from a family of four boys and, and we're all like super close, super tight. And, uh, and anyways, I, I remember Zach saying, we're in the parking lot for probably an hour outside the steakhouse. And he's like, look, this has the potential to be something awesome. Like I, I recognize that you are in med school and you're going to, you've got this course and this is, looks like an extreme deviation from that. But just think about if you can actually make this happen. Cause it, it might be one of those once in a lifetime opportunities, which it totally was the stars totally aligned with just what our team, you know, everything just came together in the smoothest way possible. It, it just made me like, think, you know, this is a once in a lifetime opportunity. And if it doesn't actually sacrifice my medical career, if I can get the Dean to let me take some time off, and return and and pursue my career, which at the time I wanted to pursue, like I said, uh, ear, nose, and throat. Um, then maybe this is a good idea. So, so it was kind of that moment in ruminating on uh, Zach's comments that made me think, you know, we should probably do this. That's fantastic. And you know, as you were talking there, it made it reminded me of kind of a, a broader theme that we love to harp on here at Inside the Boards, which is it's it's important to have outside influences in your life. Like when you're in the med school um, life, especially in the first two years, you can get so locked in. And if you don't have anyone outside of that environment, it's it becomes very hard to think outside of that, sorry for the cliche, but outside of that box. And for you, it was basically, it was a family member telling you like, you've struck gold here you really need to think about this and um, just that, that kind of woke you up to, to outside possibilities and then woke you up to a fantastic opportunity. And unfortunately, a, a lot of, um, a lot of medical students uh, like to kind of stick to the well-known path. A lot of uh, physicians tend to be more conservative minded and aren't willing to take those risks. And it's not that there's anything wrong with that, but certainly when we see physicians who also have, who also have kind of like a entrepreneurial uh, mindset, 
and are able to take those risks and are willing to to step outside of that line, we really appreciate it because one, we know how hard that is. Um, you know, coming from um, coming from the envi- environment where you just want to cram cram through your uh, four years of medical school and be done, but two, like how, just how hard it is to mentally say to yourself, you know what these limiting beliefs that I had before about what's accessible to me and, um, what's possible for me, you know, they, those are just things that I'm imposing upon myself. Like if I really want to do this, I can do this. Um, and so I just, I love, like, I'm, I'm very inspired by that story that you guys had, not just because, you know, you're these two fantastic and creative guys, but also because you brought your family into it and they were the ones who, who kind of helped you to to take that step? Yeah, yeah, I I totally agree, and I, and I like you know I really like what you said there because I think that having your family and just outside connections and and helping you get get outside that box I think is so helpful and refreshing to recognize. I, I guess more than anything, just getting that input from people that are are outside med you know med student life. You know, you get so stuck in that, and and I think that's such a great it's great to be surrounded by focused people when you're trying to study for sure. But it is so beneficial also to, to see other people that doctors or people in medicine that kind of take that entrepreneurial spirit, me, Michael and Steve and Zach, even now, just especially recently just talked about um, how much respect we have for Patrick Beeman, you know, the, you know, obviously, you know, Patrick, um, Greg, looking at his life, he's got, you know, he's an OBGYN, and got a wife in the medical field as well and kids and then built this really amazing uh, like podcast and give this service to medical students, you know, and I, and I just think about that, like the sacrifice <laughs> that it would take to, to build something like that while you're working as a clinician and taking care of patients and everything. And so, yeah, so I just, I, I totally agree with what you're saying there. Cool. So you guys start this, uh, start this show or start this, um, like brand new platform and it starts out and it's just these, you know, uh, cool little Pathoma style, uh, videos that help to explain, um, conceptual topics in physiology. And then you start to gain a little, a little bit of momentum and students are telling you like, listen, we really like what you're doing here. Can you do this for other things? So you've started with biochemistry. Um, and what other, uh, what other services have you guys, uh, kind of branched out to? Yeah. So as of last year, you know, I guess around this time, you know, August of 2018, we only had physiology. And so now it's, you know, May 2019 or June, 2019. And since then we have added biostatistics and like the epidemiology biostats type stuff that you need to know for step one. We've added biochemistry. We kind of had this idea that, you know, it'd be really awesome if we could make all of our content useful and not just some of it. Because, you know, when you think about step one, there really are a lot of conceptual things, but there are also things that are really difficult that you just have to like memorize. You know, there are certain aspects of like lysosomal storage diseases or, you know, brain tumors or drugs that you can't really like understand some of these things from a conceptual standpoint that will make it easier to memorize. And so unfortunately, you know, you just have to kind of memorize some things for step one. And with that in mind, we decided to create some image 
mnemonics. Uh, and so, you know, our biochemistry section is really awesome because it was the first time we kind of had that idea and decided to take that approach. And so it's a hybridization of, you know, everything you need to know conceptually. And then we have, I don't know, like 40 image mnemonics or something for most of the, the things that are most challenging to, to memorize for biochemistry. And so that's kind of our, our game plan going forward. And we've, you know, we've added the, so the biochemistry, we've added anatomy. We just recently, we've added microbiology with tons of image mnemonics and there are also some conceptual lectures. And so it's a, it's a great hybridization of, you know, the conceptual and the memorization aspect of step one. Yeah. So, um, so I apologize that I haven't checked out all, uh, all of your videos yet, but so I did look at one of your, um, microbiology videos and it really, and don't take this the wrong way. It really reminded me of the sketchy style. Like Im- immediately when I saw it, I was like, oh wow, this is so, this is so similar to sketchy, but then it's housed within like a, a broader, um, network of, uh, of step one study resources. So were you guys like going for the sketchy style when you, when you did the microbiology and is it kind of the same with your biochem stuff? It's a great question. Uh, you know, I think we were, we like aspects of sketchy, you know, there are a lot of things that I think sketchy does very well. You know, the, the story around the image, I think was the main thing that we were trying to replicate uh, you know, I think Sketchy does that really well. On top of that, we were really trying to hybridize the information that you need to understand conceptually. So for example, you know, for like Staph aureus, you have to know that it's a gram-positive organism and you have to know what it looks like under a microscope. And so we show a picture of the gram stain and then, you know, you have to know what mannitol fermentation looks like, what you know, all these, all these different lab tests, there are so many lab tests and clinical correlates that are associated with my, that are associated with microbiology. And, you know, sketchy doesn't really, really doesn't touch on that. And so I guess our objective with the micro was to have that awesome image mnemonic that's story-based and then bringing to bring together all of these clinical pictures, the lab tests, and, you know, all of the other stuff that you need to know for step one. And then to top it off, we kind of review with a question at the end of our videos. Going back to this idea of really trying to put everything in the framework of all that you need to know for step one and putting ourselves in the shoes of of med students who are really trying to dominate this exam, we want to make sure that they have that properly, that proper like mind palettes, uh, a proper framework of where to put things in their mind. And when we can bring in those clinical correlations then it really helps solidify all of those things. And it's stuff they just need to know anyways. So it just makes sense to hybridize that information. And with that in mind, we we also created a series of videos for general principles. We, we call it the microbiology fundamentals. It's a series of nine videos that just goes over the those fundamental principles of bacteria and fungi and viruses and that stuff that really can help prime students for like getting ready to memorize stuff, you know, like help them understand the, the conceptual position of microbiology and which by the way is, is really high yield for step one, that stuff in and of itself, um, especially in recent years. So not only does it like help in that way, but it also helps prepare students to memorize like the 140 videos that we've got for, all of the organisms. 
Yeah, absolutely. And like just speaking on a granular level um, regarding that topic, I, I definitely found that without having that initial framework of the general principles of microbiology and like why we classify things into gram positive versus gram negative and and kind of working down those uh, those microbial classification trees and like the way that that those are used clinically to distinguish organisms and then we are able to um, to tailor our treatment based on the lab tests that are run by the pathologist like if you don't have that conceptual framework it just makes it makes the uh, memorization that much harder. And, you know, that's the last thing that people want. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's critical. It's mission critical for you to, um, to include that information and like not talking bad about sketchy or anything, but, but like they didn't have that information, at least when I went through it. Um, so I'm glad that you guys had the foresight to, um, to include that. So, um, so good on you. So, uh, so we talked about kind of some of the strengths of, um, of your platform as far as providing both conceptual and um, kind of brute force memorization tools to maximize students' learning and performance. So where, um, where do you guys think you can improve and what's kind of next on the horizon for you? All right. That's all we have for today. Thank you for listening. As always, I deeply, deeply appreciate it. You know, I actually listened uh, and did the editing for this episode myself. And hey, thanks to the guys at Physio and Greg for uh, the kind words about me. Yeah, it is kind of, you know, complex and, and difficult to do all of these things that I do. I, I say this a lot. I hope it doesn't sound like complaining. I'm trying to be real, you know. Um, but I am a full-time OB hospitalist. And I do inside the boards pretty much also full-time. And I work very cheaply for the company, i.e. free, because we're trying to get it to grow. And we need your help with that. As you can imagine, it does take a little bit to keep growing and doing the sorts of things we want to do to create the best free audio resource for med school and board prep. You guys can help. By telling your friends about our platform and podcasts, support our sponsors, share us on social media, hitting subscribe, and leave a rating and review on whatever podcatcher you find and listen to inside the boards. But I will say this, which, you know, please join in my happiness. My wife is finishing her residency at the end of September. She's off cycle because of our baby's birth and whatnot. But she'll actually have a job as an attending too, which I am hoping will ease the burden on me a little bit, you know, as it were. Uh, so I'm going to plan to devote a lot more time to ITB in the coming months. Well, that and uh, do more things for my kids in terms of their schools, because I have four and the three oldest are enrolled in a new school system this year, and it's three separate schools. Uh, so their mom is going to need some help with uh, coordinating all of that. And, and my daughter is in high school. It's, it's absolutely crazy. I cannot believe how quickly time goes. So essentially, I kind of have a sugar mama now, as they say. And hopefully that benefits not only me and the son that we have together, 
but also my other three kids and their mom, as well as you guys and Inside the Boards. So thanks for the kind words, gentlemen. Join us next time to hear what Physio has planned for the future. What does the radiation do to them, precisely? Well, the level, some of them are exposed. Ionizing radiation tears the cellular structure apart. The skin blisters, turns red and black. This is followed by a latency period. The immediate effects subside. The patient appears to be recovering. Healthy even, but they aren't. Are you not entertained? I am. If you haven't seen the HBO series Chernobyl, we're doing a series of episodes covering the medicine of Chernobyl and uh, radiation poisoning and uh, radiation oncology as a specialty itself. So please tell your friends. By the way, that's Enter Shikari, Rao Reynolds and the guys from Enter Shikari. Uh, thanks for letting us use an excerpt from Radiate, right? A kind of perfect song for uh, the subject we'll be dealing with related to the Chernobyl a series of episodes, and not only because we probably can't secure rights to use Imagine Dragons radioactive, I absolutely love Enter Shikari. You can find them wherever you listen to music, and they just dropped a new single called Stop the Clocks, and it's, it's pretty good. You should check it out. <laughs>